Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of A Bit Spursy for the new Premier League season. We have just had our first game against Man City. Um, it was pretty good. Um, I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And we are going to talk about that and everything else that surrounded that game. Dan, how did you feel after uh, after that game against Manchester City? The the champions, I should say, of the Premier League from, from last year. Yeah, we need to make it very clear. We beat the champions. Mm. So therefore, I'm of the opinion it should be like um, like wrestling belts. Yeah, you be the champion, so therefore now you are the champion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw, I just saw the table and we're tenth. I was like, no, no, we're first. We we beat the champions. Yeah, we are the title holders. Yeah, I've seen also some other stuff online about you know like uh, or Spurs celebrating like they won the league. It's like, yeah, it's the first game back with fans. <laughs> we have got rid of Voldemort. And now we're, and then we just beat the champions. Like, yeah, let's celebrate as if we won the league. Like, why? What's wrong with that? And also without our best player playing for us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's worth it's, nah stuff. This all right. It's like yeah. there's so much uh, negativity everywhere in football at mm. the moment. Some of it warranted, others not so much. And it's just like you know, I'm I I would love to celebrate a game, even if it's like a, viewed as an irrelevant game in the scheme of things. Rather than just be like having a result like this and having seeing our team play like we have, and then mm. afterwards just holding back and being like, "Oh well, it's only the first game, so let's not get excited and enjoy our lives at all. Let's hate <laughs> yeah. it everything." Yeah, the main thing that people listen to podcasts for, football podcasts, is that they are consistent across the entire season. That's what we want. Like, no, let's go bananas. Let's go ham. Totally. Like, I was, I. This is a very rare. Like maybe. The Champions League, and I know that this isn't that, but maybe after the Champions League semi-final was the last time I remember not being able to sleep after a Spurs game because I was so excited about how the team had played. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a that's a good point because like I, if you asked me before you mentioned that game, I probably couldn't name the last Spurs game where I genuinely really enjoyed watching it and. Um, just enjoyed like the performance overall. Um, mm. I'm also aware that we've got, let's be positive. And then we're like, can't remember enjoying a game for a long time. <laughs> um, but I just mean in, in the sense of like, that's the last game I really remember seeing that like the players were caring and trying so much in, in this game against City. And I know that that should kind of be a baseline. Um, but for a lot of clubs and stuff, it isn't the baseline. And even for like the best teams, you like, you know, you don't often, often see to that sort of extent, but it sort of just seemed like there was something about this game. Like you said, it was like, like having the fans back in the stadium, um, maybe playing without Harry Kane and having like the rest of the team. Cause we still don't really know exactly how they feel about the whole situation, but maybe kind of sort of trying to show that it's like, well, we don't, you know, if we don't have him, we're not fast. Um, mm. And, you know, having some new players like come in, like I still kind of count Tanganga as a new player sort of making a debut because it almost seems like he's now he's making his debut as a, a player in the team who's actually possibly going to be a regular for the season. Um, whereas his games before under Mourinho, like they were kind of just like one-offs. <laughs> and then he ended up coming back in, but 
Um, it was always seemed to be like under like other mitigating circumstances that that happened. Um, same with Skip. Like this was his proper league debut for us. Um, and it was just like, it was just so good, um, especially that second half, just to see how badly our players wanted to win um, and how hard they worked and everything. So like, I, I think, yeah, I felt the same as you. I like, you know, that, that excitement like radiated, um, you know, through the screen and into my brain and I struggled to sleep afterwards as well. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I think we both said to each other, I felt, and, and you felt like emotional after watching that game and seeing the way the players went about the very, very well-organized tactical instructions that they were given. Like they just went like foot to the floor for the entire game. And uh, you're right about Tanganga. This felt like not a, like a gimmick to be like, we're putting a new, like Mourinho, like we're putting a debutant in to shuffle the feather, you know, something cynical or gross. This was like, no, this is this guy. He's a valued member of this team. We hope after the weird uh, rumors about him going on loan, which surely is not going to happen now after that. Apparently they've um, been shut down now and it's like, you know, you know, who knows what was true in the first place, but apparently today it's the, there's quote saying like, oh, Nuno's done a U-turn and wants Tanganga to be the right back. <laughs> so Amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't drop him after that game. You can't send him out alone after that game. It would be ludicrous to do so. Totally. Yeah. Like uh, one thing that I sort of my main takeaway for the game was that, yes, like we played City. So we played a, we didn't play a low block. Like we weren't sitting at our goal, but we were playing defensively. But the difference in seeing a City player get past one of our players and I'd be like, oh no, they're through on goal. But then there'd be two other Spurs players that would just appear out of nowhere and absolutely fly into the tackle against them. It was like, like I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. It was so amazing to watch. I, yeah, oh, I enjoyed it so much. I feel like it was like very targeted, aggressive defending. Yeah. Um, because we were quite happy for City to have the ball in their half. And we're like, mm. we're not going to push you. Um, and we're not just going to press whenever you have the ball and like tire ourselves out. Like we're going to sit back in our half. And you can just, <laughs> there are a few times on halfway, like when City just like passing it back and forth. Um, but it wasn't from like them controlling position. It was just like us being like, all right, no, you can do that there. We don't care. And then as soon as they started trying to advance, that's when we just sort of like um, swarmed them a lot more. And that's kind of where like our press came into it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it wasn't a high press and it wasn't a low block. We weren't just sitting back waiting for the counter. Like we were definitely playing with the counter in mind and thought of like, you know, that's how we can attack City and that's where they can be weak on the counter. Um, but it, it didn't feel like it was a, a situation where we're like, we want you to have the ball the whole time and we're just going to wait for a counter opportunity. It's like, as soon as you start getting, um, you know, in our half, we're going to start putting the pressure on. Um, yeah, totally. And that was so, yeah. I think it was just so like fun to see that. And um, I think before we sort of move on from Tanganga, like, what I really loved about him was that, you know, it almost seems like City were quite smug in the sense of setting up with Grealish and Sterling. Like, all, right, all, right, all right, boys, you're going to have a field day against against Tanganga. He's played like two games in the league. Like, what do you, you know, you're going to do this. And then Tanganga starts the game, quite easily could have got a yellow card early on. Um, mm. But at the same time, like, I love that he was like really sort of asserting himself and he kind of made it very clear like early on um, to Grealish and Sterling, it's like, you're not going to have a fun time against me. I'm not just going to roll over for you. Like, this will be challenging for you to get by me. 
um, I'm pretty strong as well. So like, it was just really nice to see, like he seemed so up for that battle and it didn't seem like it was a young player who was worried about playing against Sterling and then playing against a hundred million pound man, Jack Grealish. Yeah, it was, I, what's burnt into my retinas from the game is seeing him at the very start of the first half, just clatter into Sterling. And then he gets up and he pats Sterling on the back and he's like, you know, like, yeah, uh, good on us, two footballers <laughs> together <laughs> playing. And it was, I was like, oh, this is, that's a pro move to do that. Cause like that could be, what he did was like, that's hard, baby. And he didn't get a foul for it. Mm. Um, and to see, you know, Grealish took out his frustration later in the game on Lucas, but that frustration was because of the way that Tanganga played and Grealish, <laughs> the hundred, hundred million dollar, man a hundred million pound man uh had a terrible debut like it, what what did he do oh yeah and like you, you know you see when you look at um you know man city fans and when you look at even off to sport here they put out Grealish cam mm. uh today which was like um it was like basically they had one camera on Grealish for the whole game um and they're like we had a camera following the whole game what do you make of his performance um blah 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 and it's just like yeah, was Grealish like you know fouled and brought down a few times? Yeah, but that's that's how you play against Grealish. Like you have well, to yeah, bring I him mean, down. He's um, the most fouled player in the Premier League. Like, and the way he goes down, like the fact, I mean, it's such a clear uh, illustration of the the inherent and insidious racism in some of the punditry that he doesn't get criticized for it, but the like Latin players, <laughs> South American, I'm doing very heavy quotation marks for anyone listening, um, get absolutely roasted for it. And it's like, I'm, I've almost never seen a player go down with such theatrics as Jack Grealish. <laughs> and so like, oh, I also, I mean, I find it so cringy, you know, like obviously anyone that gets a big move is going to get a big bit of hype. But to, you know, like 100 million to City to leave Villa and to try and, like Kane, like tap in a championship is just what a way to just make me and probably you as well, Dan, just instantly hate you. Oh, totally. Like last season, I was like, Grealish is cool. I like that he's like this, um, you know, this iconic, like talismanic player at, at Villa. Um, And then even from the, throughout the Euros, I'm like, play Grealish. I want to see more Grealish. Like, um, he kind of had like, I wouldn't say he's like a cult icon, but he was a bit like kind of punk rock in a way. <laughs> like, yeah. But then now it's just like, oh, like, and, and seeing him just step out in the Man City kit, like, yeah, I'm oh. just like, this is so yuck. And I mm. think what really strikes me about, you know, why it really like affects me more with a move like this is because, yeah, 100 million for Grealish is like, I don't think it's worth 100 million. No. That's a lot of, like, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah, he's had a couple of good seasons, of course, and he's a he's a great player. But he's he's not a hundred million pound player. He's also not a player that City like need. Mm. Like they need Kate. <laughs> they yeah. need, but they don't need a Jack Grealish. And so yeah. that's why, to me, it's such like a spit in the face of like, um, you know, with the squad is so overloaded with midfielders, and it just seems like it's just this stockpiling of talent again and. You know, there might be one eye looking forward to like homegrown quotas possibly in, in increasing um, in the future. Um, and 
we always know, we always know that an English player there's like the English tax on top of it <laughs> of like all right you're an English player in the English league right you're gonna be twice as expensive as you would be anywhere else but it's just so much about the move stinks and like I'm not sitting here going I wish we had Grealish instead playing for us I'm like I would I love the idea of Grealish at, at Villa um, and them like having this player who's like you know a really good talent like you know uh, one of their own. Uh, and it's like another team loses that. And it's just like, this kind of sucks. Yeah, totally. I mean, you're totally right about that. Uh, like collection of talent. It's so revolting and so like anti football. And we've said this so many times in this podcast, but the same, the very same pundits that are on your television on Optusport, if you're in Australia or where, you know, wherever else you're listening, the ones that decried the Super League are now very pro the fact that Jack Grealish is Man City. It's like this is exactly the same thing. And I just – he's lost all of his aura to me. Like the haircut initially, I was like, yeah, it's kind of punk rock. It's weird. What a weird haircut. Cool. Good on him. <laughs> and that, watching that game, I was like, that is the stupidest haircut I've ever seen. And I want if I want to shave his head. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I want to – like I feel like it's a good – point to start talking about uh, the um, elephant in the room that was sort of present throughout the entire city game that was Harry Kane. But I also don't want to do that yet because I want to keep on giving plaudits to our own <laughs> players that are loyal, that um, are happy to play for the club. Yeah. Um, well, maybe so, maybe we can just like cover Kane quickly because like yeah. I feel like it's, yeah, it feels like it's just hanging there and it's like, yeah, the thing that was present throughout the whole city game yet not present at all. Um like he, I'm I'm losing my patience with Harry to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I know we, you know, we're not really sort of adding much new this week because nothing's really happened. But it's now an absence of things happening, which is starting to really become frustrating. So like the fact that you have the vice captain of the club, who's captain the the, the team on many occasions, uh, is completely silent after like this incredible game that we played. Um, with a lot of young players stepping up, um, a lot of his teammates that he's been with for years, really putting in a really, really, really solid performance. And to have that play, like not even comment at all, like there's nothing about that game. He doesn't have to comment and say, hey, what a great game. I'm staying at Spurs because I love the club. He can just go, what a great win. Um, you know, important three points. The team played so well. Great. Mm. Like, but it's just, it's just nothing again. And it just speaks to like, it's to me, it's so incredibly amateur. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the broad strokes or the like gross moves that have been a part of the entire saga of him wanting to move to city where it, it completely sort of skips over any kind of nuance or any kind of, uh, clever, uh, tactic, um, or, uh, way of sort of um, embellishing yourself to the current Tottenham fan base. Like all you need to do is write one tweet to be like, great performance today, Tottenham. That's it. But because I assumed it would be like, well, we don't want to say anything bad about City where we're going um, or like, well, you know, if we say something, you know, like well, let's just say nothing at all. It's like, no, this is so much worse. Um, they're probably, I mean, I imagine maybe that, 
Uh, it didn't happen because Harry and Charlie Kane are both sitting on his, uh, Charlie's motorbike in his office making broom broom noises um, and not, uh, they're not able to access social media at the moment because they're very busy doing that. I really love um, that idea. They are sitting on there making broom broom noises and they're trying to work out how those skid marks got on the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Charlie's we like, they're real. They're real, Harry. Yeah. No, they're real. I'm not, I don't yeah. know if they're real. No, they're real. And it's just a debate for hours on end. Yeah. Yeah. You, have you ever seen that film, The Ghost Rider? He rode this bike in there, did a big burnout. Like, Oh, what? Oh, what? Cool. Really? Yeah, cool. You should add a photo of him to the wall. Yeah, put him on the wall. I wish Tom Brady had done that. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> As you can probably tell, I'm also so over it. I'm, I'm just like, what? The other thing is that, I mean, you, you sort of get the the – you get granted the opportunity to be over it by having this kind of win because watching the way we played, I was like, Harry Kane can't keep up with Bergvine, Lucas and Son doing that counterattack. And it's not like Mourinho's counterattack where it's like the ball goes to Endombele and then it goes to Kane and then Kane plays in Son. With those three moving forward, it's like, well, it's unpredictable because you don't know who's going to end up with the ball and they might run in different positions, which makes it so much uh, better as a tactic. And Barney, um, there's a perfect time for your favourite word here. It was incredibly... Dynamic. <laughs> yeah. I, like I want to... It was dynamic, but I want more bounce passes before it's truly dynamic. True. It felt uh, like a very like first stage dynamic. Yeah, yeah. But well, it was, it was. But oh, a level yeah, yeah. a level one dynamic. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like it was so great seeing three mobile four... And, and to clarify, like I think Kane is more mobile than he does appear, but mm. he doesn't break um, as like it's almost a bit recklessly that Son, Lucas, and and Bergwijn break forward, which I kind of really liked. Um, and it was it's so nice to see you know instead of Harry dropping deep trying to get the ball, play through, get the assist, get an extra stat. Um, I'm just turning him down so much. Like, he's just stat padding every opportunity he gets. But I honestly do think, like last year with Mourinho, like it was this thing, and even Mourinho in the documentary going, you're going to become the man, like, you know, I'm going to blow you up, make you this star. I think that's the stuff that like Kane loves that stuff. Like he loves being the center of everything. He loves stats so much. And um, like we've spoken about before, like there's this, you know, also this idea that like he will come back from injury when he's still injured just because he kind of wants to be the man to win at the end of the day. Um, but also big man can't get it done in the finals. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the very sort of horrible contradiction against the the model that we as Spurs fans have about Kane prior to this sort of whole thing happening is that he's, you know, one of our own. He's this, um, you know, this talisman of the club and he cares. He's from, you know, he's from the area. He cares. He comes back from injury because he wants to help the team win and now, like with the horrible, horrible power of hindsight, you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, maybe that actually wasn't true at all. And maybe, sure, he might be invested in the team, but he actually cares much more about his own personal stats. And that's why he wants to be in the Champions League final. He wants to be in the League Cup final just to be there mm. because Harry Kane wants to be there. And it's like, well, like there was a – I didn't bring up AFL last uh, podcast, so I'm going to let myself do it now. You've got two um, references in the bank then. Yep. Yes. But uh, Coniglio, who plays for GWS, they played Richmond in the grand final. They got flogged and they would have got flogged anyway with him being there. And he was sort of 
similar to Kane, had been out for ages and then decided that he didn't want to come in because um, he didn't know how fit he was. And I was like, it's such a, that's such a brave move. And Harry Kane, we've never, ever, ever, ever in the whole time he's been at Spurs, he's never done that. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I kind of attribute to, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this, I'm not really trying to compare this exactly, but to me, it kind of like, it's like, you know, mental health stuff is, it's so much more of a, a thing that we talk about openly now than, than what, you know, we used to five, 10 years ago, even probably a few mm. years ago. Um, and it's like, now it's like, it's okay to say you're not okay. Yeah. And it's like, you, if you're not feeling great, you can say that and you can, you know, um, mm. talk to your friends, talk to people around you and be like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty shitty at the moment. Um, I'm not okay. But it just sort of feels a little bit that like there's this, um, and again, I'm not trying to con- compare how Kane has behaved in terms of to mental health things, but I'm taking the same sort of like essence of like him always being like, no, I'm fit. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good to play. I'm good to play. I'm good to play. And it's mm. like, we're not going to be Spurs fans going like, oh, what? You're, you're injured. You Oh, you can't play. Oh, you suck. Mm. We're going to understand it a lot more if we're like, he's just not, he's not ready to come back. Mm. And cool. He needs another week. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, you know, it just sort of, like you said, the power of hindsight is incredibly powerful. And we look back on it and we go, hang on, this is all painting a very different picture the more we look at it. But it is something which I think, you know, the more you do look at things, um, you know, Kane obviously got a lot of assists last season, pretty much all of them to Son. Um, but he is someone who he definitely wants to be the best. He wants the, all the stats in his name. He wants to break Shearer's record. He wants all this, that, everything else. The idea that he wants to even just go to City to win titles, like there's no accomplishment in that. But to me, mm. that's just like, all right, that's another stat to pad in there. Of like, look, I won four Premier League titles in my career. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's like ticking a box. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. it kind of just feels like it. I think that's what feels the most like um, uncomfortable about this whole Kane situation. It's not the fact that he mm. wants to go, but all of these things in, in together where it's like, okay, you want to go to City? Like, yeah. Really? Mm. Like, I mean, if he came out and was like, oh, I'm actually, a, a, you know, I'm a, a Leicester City fan and I'd love that club and I want to go there and I think I've got a better chance of winning a title with them than I do at Spurs right now, we'd be like, okay, fine. Like, all right, if that's what you want to do, fine. Or even if he was like went to play for Barca or Madrid or someone um, in another league. But the fact that it's like, oh, no, I'm demanding to stay in the Premier League and I want to go to City. It's just like, ugh, it's, it's like, come on, Harry. Come on. Yeah. It's so, my problem with it is that it's so empty in, like, if say he went to Chelsea or Arsenal, he does a lot of the work for us by just painting himself as the villain and doing the full heel turn. And it's like, cool, we hate him now. That's it. But with City, there's this horrible, like, cognitive dissonance because you're like, well, I mean, I hate them, but they're not a wrong. I don't hate them, hate them. And it's so empty and just this vapid, like, horrible death of football, football club that it's it's more depressing than um, antagonizing. Yeah. Which, uh, it's, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, and I think there's so many similar moves that are happening in the landscape now. Like, we've, we've already spoken about Grealish. Like, the mm. whole messy to PSG. Yeah. Um, and it's like it was really hard to, you know, find out about that transfer because, you know, Fabrizio Romano didn't really mention it. Um, it was like it was ridiculous. It was like 50 tweets a day for like four days. 
And like, as soon as I first heard of Messi was going to PSG, I was just like, this is, who cares? Mm. Like, this sucks. This really sucks. Like, this is not great. This is not good. Um, and it just sort of shows the state of football now that it's like, you know, you kind of, on one side, you can argue why should players care to like stay mm. at teams? Like they, you know, why can't they just go get the most money that they can and, you know, win titles and all that. And it's like, okay, cool. But at the same time, like, I think like you mentioned, like that's such a hollow sort of state of affairs, you know, it's like they get paid really well being not at top clubs. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's something just feels like it's like the soul is being lost um, mm. from these sort of moves. And yeah. it's very similar to like Super League type things. Mm. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it reminds me a lot of, and I don't know, you know a lot about, more about basketball than me, but it, it, as far as I understand in the NBA, you follow players more than you follow teams because they're franchises, they're not teams. And they, you know, like similar to the ESL setup where I was like, we'll play games everywhere. It doesn't matter, but home games. It's just like, and to me, that's just, maybe it's one of the reasons why I find it difficult to watch because I'm like, well, what am I, like, I'm just going for, I, I don't really get, like I need the team mentality and the the connection that uh, that an organization or a club has you know as loose as it is now with these premier league mega corporations there's still something there like tottenham still play their games in tottenham like you know you can't say the same thing for arsenal with you know woolwich but like <laughs> there you know there, there is some most clubs you know there is something there's some connection um and Messi going to PSG it's like oh cool you're gonna go beat up on a bunch of dudes that get paid five percent of your salary like oh man wow you're the best ever yeah. like so gross I, I kind of feel on that comparison um like especially say like NBA have always been very good with all their media as well mm. and like putting out highlights for free on the internet for so long um they had like NBA league pass <laughs> like years and years and years and years ago uh, where you could watch, you know, any game you wanted um, and all of that sort of stuff. And now it's like sports like football are just sort of catching up. So in this sense, like where I'm equating that to is like, I think there are quite a lot of younger fans who are coming into it and they probably have a more similar mentality to what you were talking about with, you know, certain followers of basketball where you're following more players around like, all right, I support Messi. I don't support Barcelona, PSG, whatever. I just support Messi. I don't care where he goes. I'm just going to do that. Um I support Ronaldo, you know, wherever he plays. Um, and it just feels like, you know, now it is so so much easier to watch different games, different leagues, just see diff- highlights whenever you want. It probably is quite a lot easier for people to check in and just follow players and not feel like they need to commit to a club. Like they don't need to go down to the club every weekend um, to the stadium, watch the games um, to really become invested in something. Um, so it does yeah. feel like, you know, it's like – the, the game is moving in that different direction. And I think we spoke about this a lot when we when we did go into the Super League um, when that broke a few months back. And it's like, yeah, like maybe there are some, <laughs> there are sort of, you know, some more global fans which don't have such an affinity to a club and they do, you know, they just do want to see the best players playing in the best team together and they don't really give a crap about anything else. Hmm. Yeah, to me that's so, you know, like as a Tottenham fan that has absolutely no connection to Tottenham as a place, part of the 
attraction of going for Spurs is, you know, that you learn about that place as well. And then you you sort of get to learn about the roots of the club and what it means, you know, like the place and space and, and what that represents and all that kind of stuff. And so it's so sad to think that people want, or, you know, a, a team that has no roots. It's just this like weird, like floating entity that doesn't have any connection to culture. It's, it's just, it's just, it's only connection is to money, um, which is really sad. Um, Definitely. I, I, I was just going to say on that point, um, like compare how lovely it was, say, watching this game and seeing, seeing Skip and Tanganga, two players coming mm. through the youth system, like seeing them, like that was so rewarding to see them play as well as they did um, yeah. on the weekend. And like, to me, like that is so much better than, you know, spending a hundred million on a player. And then if they don't just dominate from the get go, um, you're like, well, this is a problem. They suck. What's all this about? All yeah. that, like, it's not a really a rewarding thing. Cause like, if you buy someone in for that much, you expect them to be incredible. Mm. But I, I personally am definitely in the camp of like, I love it when we see like a younger player come through, work hard, and you know, take down you know superstars on the other team, <laughs> and yeah, um, and play like that. Like that's something I really enjoy about like following a team. Um, it's not mm. just always about all right. We need to get five superstar transfers in because you know that's all I want to see. It's like it's so nice to see like you know players coming through, and I kind of hope that we always do have players coming through, and I think that they're really exciting, and fans get behind them. Um, and I think that's a really nice element that, you know, gets lost at these teams like City. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. On on Skip and as a way of like getting back away from um, our uh, hate for the monetization of football <laughs> and back to our wonderful players that played such a great game, I feel so conflicted about Skip. Like Tanganga was just fantastic, That that's it. But Skip to me was not great and that's fine because it's his first proper game in the premier league but there's been uh, a lot of reaction to it both way too negative and way too positive and i I think he did a serviceable job and he did um he grew into the game as it went on but like that shove against Grealish was not good and he gave the ball away a couple of times and i don't i don't it's not like Winks where I'm like, never play for us again. Like I really want him to play again. But I um, feel, yeah, I just feel very sort of, which is fine because it's his first game, I guess. But very sort of like, yeah, there was good, there was bad. I don't I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah, see, I probably had a more positive take on Skip. Mm. Um, like I actually thought he, he, he had a pretty decent game, um, especially coming in for first first Premier League game. Um and I think overall, like a lot of the, you know, defensive shape we had, um, you know, he was playing quite deep um, as well. And I think that what was really nice too was having him in there also allowed like Hoybier to play um, in a position where he could actually bomb forward uh, a couple of times and yeah. have a bit more freedom. And it doesn't, if he loses the ball, okay, but it's not like Pierre last season, which was, he was so deep and if he lost the ball, it's like there's a, a, an opportunity on goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think I was still overall quite happy with Skip's game. Um, I'm not going to say oh he was like you know man of the match or um, 
well, actually, sorry, king of the match, as it's now. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, oh, no. all the official Premier League stuff, it's now king of the match. King of the match. That sounds like WWE wrestling. What? Yeah. What? I think it's sponsored by Budweiser or something like that. Oh, okay. And it's like maybe they wanted to trademark a term. But it's so weird because I feel like as well, you know, um, as we're progressing as a society and we're mm. going like, you know what, being super masculine and all that, like we're not really promoting that stuff as much anymore. Like we're kind of trying to remove things from that. So I was even thinking like, you know, man of the match is something that they might end up changing to some other name. But it's like they've gone mm. the reverse and they've gone back to like the king of the match. Um, yeah. What I imagine is it's very uh, – it's a bunch of American advertising execs in a room being like, we need to come up with something for England. What are the England like? They like the queen. Uh, okay. Well, there's no queen. It can't be a queen, so it's going to be a king, a king in the match. They all love that. Like, And despite <laughs> the fact that <laughs> the uh, uh, affiliation with the monarchy is like dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but, oh. but yeah, but on that point, like I don't think you know, Skip's not in the in the, in the running for king of the match, but mm. um, overall, I think just how the team played, um, I think there were some nice positives from Skip, and I almost feel it's like if people are getting too stuck into Skip, I don't know, you're not getting stuck into him, but mm. other people who are like you know making certain comments about, it, I'm like, this is a positive performance for the whole team. Everyone fought hard. Skip fought like he fought hard. Like, even if he makes some mistakes, fine. But, like, he was getting stuck in. Um, I like yeah. the idea of Skip being in the team. I like the idea of us trying Skip um, in that position and seeing what Hoybier can do with a little bit more freedom and, and mm. you know, having the shackles off him a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I think, you know, Hoybier, when he drives forward, he's just such this, like, powerful force. Um, mm. And he's not he doesn't have, like, the pace to, like, you know, really sort of like take on plays, but he, he's quite powerful when he does go forward. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to say on Skip, my my concern is not so much on him and his ability. It's more about the uh, dichotomy or the binary nature of takes about the game where either he was the best or he is terrible and we should never play him. And like with a new player, especially playing in a in a defensive role in defensive midfield, it's like, well, let's just all be like, he did pretty good. Like that's that's flat. Like he did pretty good. And that's it, right? Versus yeah, wanting to sell him or or make him captain or whatever. Um yeah, so and, and the other thing is Hoybier is obviously I'm a huge fan, so this is extremely biased, but <laughs> I find it so liberating uh and funny that when we bought him uh, there was so much negativity about him as a player and what are we doing and blah, blah, blah. And Everton have gone out and got, you know, do they get Decore or they got someone and they did much better than us and blah, blah. And now we have Pierre-Emile Hobier who is an, a monster. And like it's like this is such a good signing and I feel like it doesn't get the publicity it deserves because he's not a flashy player. It's like this was a really, really good buy. Oh, definitely. He's the next captain. Nailed yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Nailed yeah, on. For sure. It's him. There's no one else. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 something that I think we, a lot of Spurs fans thought it was a decent signing when we first mm. um, got him. But yeah, it, it wasn't sort of hailed as like, oh, we've got an absolute bargain or like, you know, he's a superstar sort of coming in. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, just seeing him constantly just keep growing and um, 
yeah, I mean, like how he played for Denmark in the Euros, like that was a bit of a turning point, I think, for a lot of Spurs fans, mm. uh, myself included, because I hadn't seen that much of him um, apart from when he was just playing really deep for us. Mm. Um, so it was really great to see like, all right, no, this guy can actually get up and down a bit. Um, and also he was so tired last season, like for playing so yeah. many minutes. Um, so I think like what's kind of nice about this situation is like we're starting to see like, cool, there's a way that Skip and Hoybier can play in the same team together, mm. but there will be games where we might go one instead of the other. Um, yep. And we can actually rotate a little bit. Um, mm. And we just sort of have a whole lot of options there. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the Celso can easily come into that three. Um, Absolutely. And Dombele, who knows what's going on there? Yeah. He could come no in, idea. but also, <laughs> like, we're not seeing Eddie and Dombele at all. And, mm. um, that's probably like a slight concern, I think. Um, yeah. I understand the fact of like, yep, he's had like, you know, he's having a, he's had a kid and like there's, there's all this and like all his best mates are leaving the club and all this sort of stuff. But it's also just a bit weird still to see that um, like he's not even on the bench. He's not making squads at all. Mm. Um, so you'd have to think that either there's some niggling injury that we don't really know about Um or he's, you know, his fitness is so far below where Nuno wants it to be, or Nuno is just not convinced on him as a player. Well, yeah, which is um, not good because that's, you know, uh, I guess po- Poch played him in his first game, so don't count him, but Mourinho was sus, but that's Mourinho. Mason didn't play him at all, and now we haven't seen him in a preseason game, uh, preseason squad. And uh, we didn't see him at all in this game. It's kind of like, what? what's the deal here? Like, what's going on behind the scenes? He's not registered for the Conference League, um, which is also another worry. That's I, very, yeah, like, think, that is very suspicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very suspicious. So I, I don't know what the deal is, but he's a great player. Um, and, you know, he's had some really good moments for us, but... You get you sort of get to the point where you can sort of you know stand in his corner for so long, and then it's like okay, well, four managers. Pochettino was maybe more most favourable in his assessment of him. Have all been like mm, no, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's like we've seen such moments of brilliance, um, <clears throat> but there's they've kind of been like few and far between, um, and it's like he is he definitely has the potential. Um, and he's definitely a talented player. Um, mm. It just seems like, is there some other problem with him at the club? Um, is something else going on? Um, or is he just someone who doesn't really, you know, apply himself as much? And like a similar, well, I wouldn't say a similar player, but like a player that comes to mind a bit is like Adele Tarapt, who we had, it's probably like 10 years ago now, or even more than that. And, you know, a young player, very, very good on the ball, like incredible dribbler. The way he moved was just ridiculous. But it was always the thing that seemed to be holding back was like on his uh, his application and how sort of easily he'd get rattled. And that kind of ended up having his career peter out quite a bit. I think is it still at Benfica maybe now, but you know, when he first started, like there were some 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 highlights of him and like his just his dribbling was similar in a way to Ndombele of like um, this player is moving so different to anyone else around them. Mm. Not a similar player, but like just that uniqueness. And you're like, wow, there's a real like talent here. 
Um, but yeah, I just wonder if it is that with Ndombele because it just seems like something, something's not really going right. Could mm. it be just the the Premier League? He's struggling to adapt to the pace of that overall. Or um, yeah, it's a really really weird one because we kind of know that if someone can unlock that, there's like there is a really talented player there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was when Lo Celso came on in this game, I was like. Oh yeah, here we go. This is going to be. But he, <laughs> I love Lacelso so much, and he wasn't that great when he came on. I mean, he he made a couple of errors, and then because he was playing like in the front three, and then after you know in the last ten minutes he was fantastic, and he held the ball up, and he won a couple of balls. That like I was like, yeah, this is my boy. But also there was this really shaky start where I was like, oh no, <laughs> what's going on? Well, I kind of um, feel but- like. It's tough to come into a game like that, um, yeah. Because the 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 pace and the energy that it was being played at, like it was pretty intense. Mm. Um, so I think like it's definitely. Yeah, I I'm always of the thought like it's tough to come off the bench into a second half of that where there is just so much, um, like there's so much heat and energy in the game that, like, I kind of almost expect that like it's going to take a little while initially to get, um, to get a player like into that rhythm. Because uh, mm. even if they're used to playing normal Premier League football, like they play that, which is a bit more of a contest happening, and it's kind of like, oh crap! All right, uh, hang on, this game's up a little bit more than I was expecting. I can't kind of just come on and work my way into the game for five minutes. I've got to come on and get into it right now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's very true. So yeah, I, th- I think as well, it's like Lacelso had such a you know successful um, Cop America um, and whatever. So I think it'll be interesting to see like when he gets to start. Um, and how he plays, um, how mm. he plays then, and and see see what we've got there. But I feel like now in the the fan base overall, there are probably less question marks about Lacelso than in Dombele. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. One I found interesting was like I was quite happy with Bergwijn's game overall, but there have been yeah. a lot of people really talking that down and mm. um, and saying that. So how did you feel about his performance? Um, yeah, what, what like again? Not to just mean that it has to be a binary answer of like you're either yeah he's the best or no he was horrible. Uh, but how did you um, take his game? Well, I thought for a player that has had to play as a glorified uh, fullback for two years, coming in and playing the role that he did, I thought he was good. Like I, I was very happy with his game. I, there was no. And maybe it's because we don't have someone else that I would put there. But I was like, I thought he was pretty good. Yes, he missed that shot that he should have scored. Um, but who am I to say that he should have scored it? Because I couldn't. Um, <laughs> you know, like I think um, I think it was good. Uh, the The issue is like Lucas on the other wing, who is a much maligned player, you know, we've said many uh, non-positive things about him and uh, he was fantastic. And so he has this game and Bergvine has a – doesn't have this kind of redemptive game like Lucas kind of has. And so therefore it's like, well, what's he doing? But I thought I'm glad that he's playing. I thought he did a good job and I hope he plays uh, this week. Yeah. I feel like he's the, the miss was like, that was a bad miss and it definitely should have scored. But at the Mm. same time, I kind of feel like that's to me, that's down to confidence and he puts one of those in and then, everything will start sort of clicking together in that. Mm. Like I thought for the whole game, like he ran really well. 
Um, mm. And again, that front three, like I thought that was, it was just really nice to see the movement of Son, Lucas and um, Bergwijn um, together. And yeah, I just think overall, like, you know, um, Bergwijn is, he's pretty quick <laughs> when he, when he <laughs> yeah. gets going. And he's also like, he's quite short, but he's so like solid as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's proved that, you know, for when he was playing on a Mourinho in that glorified right back role, like he said, um, he does put in and he does get stuck in. He does, he's not afraid to come back and defend. Um, and yeah, I just feel like, again, like he's the sort of player, which I think if we were to write him off too early, um, I think it'd be a mistake. Like across the front three, I definitely think we need some strengthening, but mm. to have, you know, um, to have someone like Bergwijn in, in the squad for the season and to give him some, you know, decent minutes, like I would be pretty happy with that. Um, and I just think it's like, you know, he scored some nice goals, like a, a couple of good goals before, like especially against City. Um, yep. And I think just, you know, let's just, let's just let him have a few games playing that attacking position again um, before we try and make any judgments there. Um, yeah. Just because he had one miss. Yeah, exactly. And and playing with a coach that uh, believes in him yeah. and and has a has an actual tactical setup for the way that the ball is going to move forward. One of the things I find really interesting about Bergvine is when we bought him, the reporting around him was that he was a creative winger in that he was able to construct attacks and he could see passes. But that's kind of been forgotten and we've also ne- – well, because we've never seen it, like he's only played – either as a glorified ride back or the fast dude on the break. And so I am interested to see him play. And, and, you know, like if 10 games in, he's done nothing and whatever, that's, you know, okay. Um, maybe he can take a, you know, I still want to try. Like he's like 24 years old. Like let's just <laughs> chill out a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and let's not forget as well that like he's got the new sock uh, situation going on. So he's gone little Grealish, um, little tiny, tiny socks. Mm. Um, I like that. I like that. Maybe yeah. that's a little bit of that confidence start to start to come in. I don't think you go like you know socks at half mast um, if you if you're feeling low on confidence. Just like you don't yep. go socks completely over the knee. Um, mm. Like I'm speaking from experience. Like if I'm going to, down to play some futsal or something, if I haven't played for a while, I'm not going to go socks up over the knees um, <laughs> and sort of try and dance around the court like that. Um, so I kind of like that. You know, I like that a little. We're seeing, you know, a little bit of personality come out there. It might seem like a small thing, but um, yeah, let's let's see how we go with Stevie. Um, like you mentioned, like you know, Lucas definitely overshadowed pretty much everyone in that game. Mm. Um, and I think it's like these are the games that where you love Lucas. And if we got this Lucas every week, I think we would be, you know, that would be an incredible player to have in the team. Um, and also someone who is so coys. Oh, my goodness. It's frustrating that the two most coys players, Lamella and Lucas, are so similar in there. One week they're the angel, next week devil. Yeah. <laughs> like, Speaking of um, Lamella, like, didn't, didn't Lamella score a double for Sevilla? Yeah. I think. Apparently he was – I haven't seen it. Apparently he was incredible, <laughs> um, which is just so Lamella. Yeah. Um, and I'm very pleased for him because he's the best. We haven't brought up the uh, two maybe most criticized players of last season, Sanchez and Dyer, who the best thing about their performance for me is, well, for Dyer is I don't really remember anything he did. 
which is great. Yeah. And Sanchez, the only thing I remember is that amazing tackle. Sorry, um, I know we've I know we've moved on here, but just something occurred to me, which was uh, something that you sent me, which is a screenshot mm. of just well, just to finish up on Lucas of the yep. club wishing him a happy birthday and saying like happy 29th birthday to Lucas Mora, and then mm. there's him commenting underneath, going like I'm 22, lol. Yeah. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that classic example of when if you ever see footballers interviewed and they're like, Lucas, he's the funny guy. Yeah. And then like that's the caliber of his humor. <laughs> it's, it's just like, just, oh my God. It's just so good. Like, imagine if you wish me happy birthday, you're like, hey now, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, you know, happy thirty-third. Like, and I'm like, lol, I'm twenty-five. <laughs> you just be like, oh, okay, okay, dude. Yeah. All right. Uh, sure, man. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I just want to get that in because like when you I genuinely like laughed out loud when you said that through. Um but yeah, so back yeah. onto uh, Sanchez and Dyer. Yeah. Um, I I just yeah, as I said, I uh, was impressed. What did you think? Oh, like it's kind of it's one of those things that it's like you buy a replacement player in and then the players who they're replacing just have absolute blinders. Mm. Um which is like if you remember when we bought David Bentley uh, the season before that, Aaron Lennon had a pretty average season. And then yeah. David Bentley comes in and Aaron Lennon just plays the best season he's played for Spurs. <laughs> um, I don't think that's necessarily the case here, um, but it's just interesting the timing that now we've got Romero and then, you know, Dyer and Sanchez have a really good game. Uh, I think from what I've seen of Sanchez in preseason, I think he was like pretty solid against Arsenal as well. Again, it's just a preseason friendly, so I'm not taking too much out of it. But... I thought like, I mean, do you remember that tackle against De Bruyne? I think in the 92nd or third minute when City were breaking. Unreal. It was, that was like, that was just no nonsense. Um, and, but just so clean as well, just to like take mm. down, get the ball. And then it, in such a, like a crucial moment of the game. Um, yeah. It's like, it's so weird. It's like we, we have Sanchez, we have diet, we have the players that, a lot of fans and, and, you know, us as well, like write them off, but then they'll play these games where we're like, well, maybe there's still a player in there. Yeah. And the confusing thing is it's not like we played like a relegation team like Arsenal where you watch them, you know, Dyer and Sanchez look like world beaters and you're like, well, okay, but it was Arsenal. Like this was against Manchester City whose bench for the game were worth 350 million pounds. I have no idea what their actual on-field team was worth and they looked good and it's like what what is going on and also apparently i didn't see one second of the copa america but apparently sanchez was very good for um colombia and some of the chat i've seen is that he's good when he's got a good partner and so when dyer and him were named i was like uh, we need romero in but then they both yeah they were great oh yeah and i think that you know what this shows is that, yeah, it is one game, but also it kind of shows us that, like, you know, Sanchez and Dyer, they do have some experience of playing in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and if we were to go, say, because we're all calling for another centre-back signing uh, in addition yep. to Romero, and definitely long-term, like, Romero looks like he could be a really, really great player, but we'll also need another centre-back, of course. Um, mm. But we don't, like... To me, it would be a bit of an error for us to get another centre-back and then get rid of Sanchez and Dyer, because then I think we start looking way too thin um, at the back again. And like Toby's yep. gone, 
um, mm. you know, and, um, you know, all the best to him. I love his posts now when he's um, just, I've seen a few of him at his, at his new club. Um, I think it's Al Duhail or something like that. Um, and it just looks like he's on holiday, just lapping up the sun, <laughs> just like, you know, jogging around with the ball and, and having a great time. Um, but, you know, um, he's already gone. And I think for us to try and get rid of other defenders we have with Premier League experience to go with a completely fresh new pair um, who, you know, by all accounts, other defenders were linked with, they're not other Premier League defenders right now. Um, it would be, a, I, that would concern me a little bit. Uh, just to have a couple of players who'd be a bit green to the league, um, I think that would be a problem. Like, how are you feeling overall, I guess, about the defensive situation now, given who we brought in, given like, you know, how Tanganga's played, but also given the rumoured, you know, other players we're going for? Um, I, I mean, I'm the same. I want another centre-back and I don't want a centre-back that's... Joe Roden wasn't in the squad as well, which is, uh, I don't know what the deal is behind that, but... Tanganga had such a great game and then when Doherty came on, I was like, oh, no. But he was also actually fine. Um, so if he's going to be just serviceable, that's cool, and Tanganga is going to be <laughs> this game, then we're set. But I'd also probably like a another right back. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't want to sell Sanchez or Dyer in, you know, to – bring in someone, even if they're a great defender from Serie A or La Liga or the Bundesliga, and then have a season where it's like we've got Romero and X player, but they're acclimatizing to the league. It's like that's not gonna that's not gonna work. Um yeah, so I I feel I feel like weirdly proud of Dyer for having a good game and I don't know why, but I'm like, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, you worked hard. Is it partly because like we know that Dyer is like a relatively smart guy and whenever mm. he speaks, he speaks like um he speaks pretty well. Like he seems quite intelligent. He seems quite considered when he talks. Um mm. and it's like he's the sort of player that you want to succeed. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I feel that a little bit for for Sanchez as well. Mm. Um not not necessarily for the same reasons, but because I think we've just seen like he came in for such a big price tag. Um, and he hasn't lived up to that expectation overall, but it's yep. just nice to see like, you know, um, it's always nice to see, I think players or just anyone in life, just like, you know, improving and looking like they're getting their, whatever it is, I was going to say not getting their lives together, but like <laughs> just starting to get it together and, and get up to the level that we sort of like, you know, hope that they can be, and even starting to exceed that. So I think there's mm. always something nice in that. So to see Sanchez finally, like, you know, um, you have a really solid game, seeing Dyer play well, and he, he played really well in the League Cup final too. Mm. Um, I think there is something nice about seeing that. And and also it gives us the feeling of like, okay, maybe the centre-back pairing, and sorry, the centre-back options we have aren't as bad as we thought. Mm. And it's like, while we still would love another one to come in, it's not it's not the end of the world if that doesn't happen because we do have like Romero who's come in as a, a really good option to strengthen there. Totally. There's another player that um, has already massively exceeded the price tag we paid for him. But this game for me was one of my favorite games uh, that he's played for Spurs and that's Deli Alley in this mm. role in the midfield three. He ran the most out of every single player. 
He tackled so hard. He was everywhere. Like I just was so impressed with the way he played. And like I think it's a matter of Spurs fans, and and this will happen if he plays this role regularly, adjusting your expectations for what he does in a game because what he did in this game is just as good as what he did peak potch, you know, making those runs. And he didn't, you know, he didn't score a goal, but his contribution to the team was massive. Yeah, it seems like a different Delhi, like it's like as in from the from what we've had in the last couple of seasons. Mm. Um, so it does seem like there's a new, maybe a new opportunity he views that he's had there, um, and it's like a second lease on life. Uh, and yeah. finally, there has been this, you know, opportunity open up for him where he can establish himself in the squad again. Maybe not in a role that he, you know, first played for us when he when he came in, but. Um, yeah, like I thought again, I thought he had a he had a decent game too. Um, it's almost like I think we need to be careful in judging Deli Ali for what he's doing now compared to what what he did four years ago. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's happening um, by certain fans a bit, where it's like he's not doing this, he's not getting assists, he's not scoring, he's not doing that, and it's like, well, maybe we've got a different player here, and. Mm. You know, it is someone who he's still adjusting to that role, but he did look a lot more comfortable in there. And mm. at the end of the day, it's like he's a pretty tall, good dude. <laughs> like, so he can add a little bit of physicality in there, but also he is a player that you know he does have an eye for a pass. Um, he can sort of pull some things out and pull out the unpredictable. Um, so if he can actually, you know, cement down his place in that in that position a little bit more. It's like, there's a really, I don't know. It's a really interesting situation and there's a potential for like, it's a, it's just a, it's a nice like position, positional shift to see him go into. Yeah. I'm really excited for him for this season. And I, I'm really excited for a midfield, be it him, Hoybier and Skip or Hoybier, Skip, sorry, Hoybier, LaCelso and him, because they're all like, especially that three, like they all have this like don't mess with me mentality. Mm. They're all big. They're all strong. They all can pass the ball. Um, I I think it's a really cool core to have. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for him for this season. Um, and I, like I have such a, uh, a propensity for liking midfielders, so I understand like him going into this role is like it's almost as if Nuno has been like, how would how can I put Delhi in the team that would make Barney most happy? Yeah. And that's <laughs> that's what's happened. But um, yeah, I I'm really excited for his season, and I hope that he plays this role and and people come around to what he is doing in it because I think in this game he was he was really really great. Yeah, and I think it's it's really like you know a real redemption season for him. Um, mm. And it's just great that we've got players in the squad who have things to prove, like Tanganga, Skip, Delhi. Um, I think players like Lucas to an extent, like um, although I guess Lucas's work rate is always very good, but they've got things to prove. Um, Bergwijn as well, like um, even Son to an extent, like he's I mean he's world class, but and he's done it before. He's taken over like the reins from Kane and sort of scored goals. But to see like the manner that he scored in this game and how he like took on that responsibility, like when at Ake, um, st- you know, step over, step inside, shoot, bang, um, just absolutely bottom bins. And then mm. it's like it's really nice to see that, 
you know, I think there's a lot, maybe across the whole team, there's this as well, like from Dyer, from Sanchez, from everyone really, especially with Harry Kane out. It's kind of like everyone perpetually proving like we're not the Harry Kane team and yeah. we deserve to be in the Champions League. We deserve to be back in those spots. Um, mm. So I think that like that mentality, which I feel like Nuno seems like the kind of manager who can foster that well um, after this one game that we've seen, um, <laughs> you know, it could be, it, it feels like great. This like this is the, the start of a rebuild, you know, starting to happen. Like we're seeing... I think, you know, players like Winks, um, I'm sure if <laughs> we just need an offer to come in that's decent enough and he'll go. Like Sissoko, we're not seeing him at all. So mm. he's kind of off. Aurea, same, he's off. So it, we are getting players who are being phased out. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's just like I think it's just really something feels really good and genuine about the players in the squad that we have at the moment. Totally. And how genuine and good. The one person we haven't spoken about in this game was the manager, Nuno seeing him uh, in his post-match, but also the way he reacted to the goal, the way that he um, high-fived the fans on his way out. I was like, oh, this guy wants, like he, I've said this before, but he wants to be here and he's invested in 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 this opportunity and, and what he wants to do and the way he presents himself in the media. Like there was, uh, I can't remember what journalist it was, but they said, oh, that was a perfect performance. And he said, no, it's not perfect. We've got a lot of things to work on. Mm. But he then said, someone said, you set the team up well. And he said, no, well, the players executed what I wanted. Yeah. And it's like he's putting, it's not about Nuno. It's he is the manager and it's not, it's not like I take credit when we win and it's a player's fault when they lose, which we've had for two years. It was this real, like, well, the players did it. And the way he spoke about the players and the way he's handled himself so far is just, it makes me uh, feel very happy that it took 72 days to get a manager and this is the guy we've got. I'm like, this is cool. Like, I really, um, and like, he's done a great job, A, with his, like, PR, you know, talking about Tottenham, but then he draws with Chelsea, beats Arsenal, and then beats City in the opening game. It's like, what a way to sort of endow yourself to the Spurs fan base. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely a very encouraging start. And I think as well, and like like we were talking about, he has made calls on players that are not getting selected. Like, so he's mm. not just coming in to be friends with everyone either. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's like, I really love the way he speaks. I love the, I feel positive when I hear him speak, which is mm. really nice. And like, you see his face pop up and he's not afraid to smile. He's not afraid to like, you know, give compliments when they're due. And mm. like you said, he speaks a lot about the collective as opposed to I've won this, the team didn't do what I said, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, I think like at the end of the day, we look back on this and we're like, yeah, we didn't have a manager for a while. But also if you look at like executive level hires, like for businesses, like they can take months to fill spots as well so if this all goes well like i don't think even even if you have fans who are complaining every day about not having a manager and uh, if nuno keeps doing a good job i think they'll forget that pretty quickly um totally and i think as well if if we if this had all happened one year earlier and wolves had finished seventh uh this whole process would have been much quicker it would have been like yeah cool we'll have him versus uh because they had the season they had last season um it was so much more drawn out. Um, the other interesting, I, I wonder uh, what you thought of in sort of changing times. Um, 
Son, the way that he sort of presented himself to the fans at the end of the game. He tapped the badge. He waved at all the fans. Um, in the interview, he talked about how um, he should have taken better opportunities and, you know, it's important that he does that and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay. Is this like, have you taken this upon yourself now that you're the main dude or has the club been like, you're the main dude now, you need to go out and do all this other stuff? But how it felt when he was talking about uh, his performance was so different to how Harry Kane would talk about uh, how he played. Some was so much more, it was so much more team focused. Um, and I hope that that continues um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I really like that from Son. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think it was it was great to see, like, I think, you know, him signing a new contract and him, like, really, I think he's starting to step up as a leader in the team as well um, and really sort of, like, show his allegiance to the club and, and the fans and how much he cares about um, the team. Like, hey, I, he's Koi's. He's Koi's as well. Um, yeah. And I think that that's really like, you know, he, when he first came, like he was sort of on the, in, you know, on the outer of the team for a bit, then st- started working his way in, but then always was kind of like, you know, Robin to, to Harry's Batman. Um, mm. But I feel like now he's been here long enough and he's also like, he's good enough now that I think he's really, he's really able to step up. And, um, and I think I just love the way he conducts himself on and off the pitch as well. Sweet. So you- yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's great. So you're saying that he uh, is no longer Robin; he's Nightwing. He's become Nightwing. He's his own man. He is solving crimes and problems. Um, I don't know where I'm going with. I don't know enough about Nightwing. I just wanted to say. I don't Nightwing. even know who Nightwing is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, he's Nightwing now, yeah. all by mm-hmm. himself. Um, yeah, nice. Although what was interesting, like I know both of us, we watched um, Sensational, the Son documentary mm. during the week, yeah. <laughs> um, which was really, it was interesting to see because it was kind of like, is this worth having a documentary about? Uh, mm. Does it need to be 90 minutes long? Mm. Uh, what are we really getting out of this? Um, mm. But the thing that I took the most away from it, and I'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts were, was that like we've heard in the past, like his dad is a bit of a taskmaster. Um, but his dad kind of seems like a nutcase. <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah. I couldn't believe like the fact like his dad still controls everything. Um, mm. When they showed his house, his dad's like, "No, we're not allowed to have any items anywhere. Um, it has to be minimal and focused and 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 everything." And just like seeing Son basically just sitting around his house, just looking bored, <laughs> like lying on the ground with his face down. <laughs> like it was really it, yeah. really odd. It's um. From a psychological perspective, it is terrifying to be <laughs> to see the way that his dad acts and and the way that Son, you know, like obviously he's a fantastic player, but there is a process that a lot of professional athletes go through when they get injury or they retire, where it's almost like a death. It's like a grieving grieving process, and he's going to go from having one focus that all he cares about is this. Like he has said, in I'm not going to date while I'm playing football because that's all I, I'm just, I'm just playing football. That's it. It's like, well, that's, you're going to miss like 15 years of uh, developing how to speak to other people. Well, did you see it? Now, in his bed, he has that big sort of stuffed monkey. Yeah. Which I look in some ways I kind of love it, but now I think about it, I'm like, did his dad put that there to be like, mm. this is the only other thing you'll have in your bed. Young man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing else. 
no, nothing else ever. Yeah, it's it's not healthy. It's not good. I hope that when he finishes at Tottenham, when he when he finishes his career, that there is a really good support network set up to help him into the next phase because his dad has really made it difficult for him. Oh, yeah. Like even those stories of like, oh, when my brother and I had an argument, my dad made us do keepy-uppies for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to drop the ball. Or like we'd go to a warm-up and we'd have to do like one lap of like um, one lap of a field doing keepy-uppies with your left foot only. Then the next lap, right foot. And then the next one, like both or something like that. And if you stuffed up on the last lap, you'd have to go back to the start and do all this. And it's like, Cool. That obviously has helped him in some form of his footballing development, but psychologically, there's probably a lot of things to like um, to unpack there. So it's it mm. kind of like in some ways, I'm like Son is such a genuine, lovely, nice, uh, mm. nice man. But also, would it be better if he wasn't as nice and maybe his he's he wasn't living his life so strictly? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, that's but elsewhere. When, when you hear him talk, like I've never once thought when Sun talks, this guy's not well adjusted. I'm always like, this guy is uh, a member of the world. He understands things. And then watching that documentary, I was like, oh no, like what is what is going on in his head? Um, but I, I want to stay positive, so I'm going to say that uh, he's well adjusted and. <laughs> <laughs> he just thinks of his dad as a, a funny, crazy man. I think it, and look, yeah, it, it seems like his dad seems very, very strict with certain things, but it does seem in the documentary, like, and again, we don't know what happens behind closed doors or anything like that, but it does seem like they are quite content with that. And it's like they mm. both are on the same page with things. And, you know, it seems that Son seems to genuinely believe all those things as well. So, like Son's is my favorite player by far, so I'm I'm still and I still really like him. Even after like after seeing this documentary, it doesn't change um, everything. It's just I think it's very interesting just to see like you know we we just often just think of footballers as these robots who jump on the field and they live the most lavish lives and uh, they do whatever they want. They're all partying all the time. They're doing all this and everything else, and it's just really interesting just to see the backgrounds of certain players. Um, and you know, how they are like, you know, day to day with things and, and, and what they, what they do in life and how they live. And it's just a sort of reminder too, of like, cool. Like, you know, um, even though we think Son has it all, like he's, he's in a very sort of like strict focused scenario as well. Um, and if he's, if he's okay with that, cool. Um, but I think, I don't know, it's just like, it's humanizing in a way just to see like, all right. This is this is you know why Son is the way he is and um, yeah it's <laughs> I think yeah. overall it's lovely to see him like stepping up um, um, stepping up overall yeah totally so um, circling back um, to use uh, that horrible term um, we haven't done our votes yet for the a bit Spursy medal um, are you ready to cast your votes uh, yes yes ready to cast yes. votes for the a bit Spursy medal. Uh, I missed okay. the uh, bit spacing medal um, quite a mm. bit. Um, mm. To be completely honest with you, I forgot who won last season. Was it was it Bale or was it Delhi? I have no idea. <laughs> well, it, to be fair, it was the bit spacing medal for the last five games of the season. Um, That's true. And all yeah. it really took was one like solid game from anyone to sort of step up. It could have been yep. Pierre. 
Yeah. I hope it was Pierre. I'm going to say it's Pierre. I, I can't remember. Um, but this year is the first year that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's the real deal this year. This is the big prize. The proper this one. The, yeah. And yeah. I think like what yeah. we'll probably do is we'll have the, the Bits Percy medal, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, covering the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. and then also I'd like to have like a, a sort of separate one in place a bit for the, uh, Europa conference league. Yep. Uh, and then we can decide later because, you know, there's no rules if they just go into one thing, but it might be mm. nice to sort of split up the, the competitions a little bit. Um, especially if we start playing different squads. Um, yeah, I think that's great. But I, I want to say that the Abitsbursi medal is this like a uh, gold medal with diamonds around it and a, a diamond cockerel. And the Europa Conference League medal is a piece of string with owl foil crunched up at the end of it. Oh, yeah. Well, very, very clearly. <laughs> they are yep. different different standards of metal. Um, mm-hmm. One you would get quite a lot for selling on uh, on eBay or any second um, secondhand markets. The other one uh, you would probably get punched in the face if you tried to sell it to anyone. And if we were to send the second one to any of the players and be like, you won the medal, we would get a restraining order against us because it looks like something a serial killer would send. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. With a bit of hair stuck to it maybe. Absolutely. Both our hairs. Both our- <laughs> Okay, that yeah. is the Conference League medal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, okay, a bit spursing medal. Um, so a very quick rec- recap on this is we give our three two ones. We also give encouragement mm-hmm. awards, uh, mm-hmm. which are worth half a point. Uh, we also can uh, take away points, uh, bring out the points monster and yep. um, steal points. And uh, that's basically it. Any other rules we make up as we go because it does matter and we do what we want. So, yep. um, okay, do you want me to go, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Go for it. Um, Would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. Right. Um, so a bit spursy metal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give three points uh, to Lucas. Nice. Um, I think just overall, like, you know, uh, we spoke about him before. He's like, he put in such a performance and he was everywhere. He was such a pest. And like, I absolutely adore pest Lucas because it's like he doesn't let the other team have any space. And it's so rare, I think, to have an, an attacker that is such a pest like he is and really gets stuck in. And it's like um, I think he just did really well, drove forward really nicely and got out of like trouble quite a few times. And I think like if we get this Lucas, then we've got quite a play up for the season. Uh, so it's three points to Lucas. Um, two points I'm going to give to uh, Tanganga. Uh, that's one point uh, for pocketing Sterling, one point for pocketing Grealish. Uh, again, what a what a you know what a play we've got developing there, and to do it up against Sterling and Grealish, who uh, will give any will give the they'll give the best right fullback in the world there a, a good run for their money on a on on any day. Then I think that's um yeah that's worthy of two points. Also. There was a time where we had a corner and Tanganga kind of got elbowed in the face by Diaz, uh, which mm. wasn't really picked up on that much. Um, but then Tanganga just kind of gets on with it and then Diaz ends up on the floor. I love that. Like, I think that he's just a real, like a real battling player, which I think is, um, I think he's going to win a lot of fans over this season if he keeps playing like that. Um, one point. Uh, I'm going to give one point to Son because I think that, you know, to score that goal, like it was a brilliant goal and he just went at Ake and he was just like, Ake, you're overrated. You know, you've, you've, had, you've had some injuries, fair enough. But also it was just kind of like, you know, let's just settle down, Nathan. Um, you know, you can't give me this much space. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you what's what. Uh, so I think it has to go one point to Son. 
Um, I would love if, you know, to give an encouragement point to everyone on this squad, but I don't want to like make a trivial point about the Abit Spursy medal, but I am going to give out two encouragement awards. Um, great, great. Actually, sorry, three. Three, I lied. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> it's not trivial. It's not it's trivial. <laughs> so, yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Okay. One encouragement award. Uh, I think it has to go to Sanchez, like we spoke about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, I think he just he deserves that. And if Sanchez plays like that and doesn't get even on the scoring, I think like then there's a there's a real problem with the the system we have here. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give another half a point to Nuno because uh, yep. I think it was again a really encouraging start and he was really great. I'm going to give another half a point uh, to uh, Paratici and Hitchin as a duo. Uh, for them sitting on the bench, which we clocked earlier in the game, we're like, hang on, are they sitting on the bench next to the players? And then what emerged later on socials was there's this video of them just jumping up and screaming at players and like really getting into it. And it doesn't seem like they're like undermining Nuno with what they're doing, but they are so passionate about the game going on. And I was just like, I really love seeing that. And I kind of love seeing like Hitchin now as Pratchy's right-hand man um, rather than when it was just Hitchin by himself. Yeah, I agree. What what a video. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It is so incredibly funny. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh yeah, it's so it's so good. I think we've got it um excuse me, we've got it retweeted on our on our Twitter page. Um but yeah, look, they're my votes. Um I'm not taking away any points this week because everyone Great. was just fantastic. So uh cool. Barney, uh for the Pittsburgh medal versus Man City, what are your points? Cool. I'm going three points to Tanganga because that was just everything I wanted him to be in every game he's ever played, and he did it against Grealish and Sterling, the enemies of the state. <laughs> um, uh, I uh, would give two points to Nuno because I want to um, just really settle into this honeymoon phase um, in case it ends. Um, I think he set up so well against City. He's had not very long to organize a team and the way that Spurs looked was the most organized I've seen since Pochettino. And um, yeah, I thought that was a real, uh, real, real um, uh, like great thing. That's what, that's what I'm going to say. It was a real great thing. Definitely. Um, One I'm going to give to uh, Lucas because um, I have dragged him a lot on this podcast and he was fantastic. Um, and I hope that it continues. Um, in terms of uh, the uh, special mentions, bonus points, I'm I'm going to have to give uh, a 0.5 to Son because he scored that goal, which was not an easy goal to score. Like that, I was shocked when I went in and it was such a um, good uh, reminder of his talent as a striker. Um, I would go, uh, also again, I want to give 0.5 to Paratici and Hitchin. Uh, again, I've dragged Hitchin a lot on this podcast and, uh, that was, it's one of the best videos I have ever seen. And is this just to clarify, like my 0.5, this is a combined 0.5 for the the duo of Paratici and Hitchin? Yeah. Yep. 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 Great. Um, and same as you, I want to give you, you actually know you gave said I'll give Dyer a point five because I thought um, he had a great game. Um, I'm not as uh, as nice as you, so um, I'm going to do a few negatives. I'm also um, going to give a negative after you're done because I forgot about something. But yeah, sweet. I'm not as nice as you might think. 
God. <laughs> so I give negative 10 to Harry Kane um, <laughs> because he is a snake. And um, can I give another 0.5 to <laughs> the fans at the stadium for chanting, <laughs> Harry Kane, are you watching? Yeah, yeah. 5.5 um, to the my, fans, yep. Yeah. And then my final vote is negative five to Pep Guardiola because he's just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that. Um I'm I'm adding another minus five onto Kane. Great. Because that was when I was like, how can I not penalize that? Mm. Um mm. but I love the I love the minus five to Pep as well. Um because yeah. he just is the worst. Oh, he's the worst. He sucks. He's the worst. He sucks so much. Oh. Uh so great. Yeah. That's a great that's a great um, you know, a great start, I think, to the the bit spursing medal. Um, mm-hmm. so far, I've got Tanganga out in front, uh, nice. and Kane dead last on minus fifteen. <laughs> so- <laughs> Excellent. And I'm really, I really wish I could have voted for Delhi, um, and I will endeavour to do so <laughs> for the remaining thirty seven weeks, and also obviously Hobier. Um, coming up, we have. Well, our I was just going to Europa- say, like, so as you said, the remaining set thirty seven weeks. This a bit spursing medal would be a maybe a bit more reflective of an entire season. Um, whereas last time out with the only five games, um, yep. I, I think it was just, it was a complete mess. Um, yep. but I think like, like we say, like there's, there's so many players we're getting excited about to give votes out mm. to, uh, which is really great. It's fun. Uh, it's a fun place yep. to be. Romero could have got a 0.5 for making his debut, but so yeah. many players did well. Um, mm-hmm. so, okay. So sorry, as you were saying this week, uh, we got a couple of games. Yeah, we do. We have the Conference League game uh, against the Portuguese team whose name I can't pronounce, but can you, Dan? Uh, um, I can attempt to pronounce it. Uh, it is yep. uh, Pacos de Ferreira. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, Great. I've never heard of them before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. we cannot offer any insight um, nope. <laughs> into them at all. <laughs> yeah, and then we have uh, Wolves this weekend, uh, which is uh, narrative game number two after... <laughs> <laughs> after the Harry Kane Manchester City Tottenham game, um, which you know, like I, uh, uh, Wolves have just given us so much trouble, um, and so I'm like very nervous. But then also remembering that we have the manager that gave <laughs> us so much trouble, so maybe it'll be okay. But you know, I I have no idea. I've got no idea how it's going to go. Yeah, I think the Wolves game is. It's interesting. Like, there's always something when a player or a manager goes back to like the club that they were at. Um, so I think it's, yeah. There's always like something in the game, even if it isn't really that important or it's very early in the season. Um, so, yeah, um, I really don't know how that's going to go um, mm. because you're right. It's like how much of how Wolves were playing was attributed to the manager um, or the players that they have, and how much have they changed um, since their new managers come in. Um, actually, who's the new manager? I don't even know who that is. I have no idea <laughs> the new manager. It's is a great research from us this week. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. That up. is terrible. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess. Look, I'm not. I guess given that we both don't know who Wolves' manager is, um, and we really know nothing else about how they're playing, probably suggest we're not too worried about that game overall. I assume it. Let's just say it's George Mendes. Okay, George. Yeah, George's George <laughs> Mendes's Wolves. Um, yep. that's who we've got this week. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we'll do all right. Um, my prediction is I think we'll, I think we might get a, maybe like a three, one, mm. I think we'll, we'll score. I think we'll, we'll, we'll score a few. 
Cool. I think it's going to be a 2-1, and I think it's going to be a 2-1 that is not close. Like I think it's going to be quite clear that we were in control and the goal they get is going to be really jammy Mm. and uh, not reflective of how we've played. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, there we go. So aggregate prediction from us is a 5-2 win. Great. I don't know how the math works out, but that's what we're going with. Uh, 5-2 win. (laughs) Um, And there we go. So, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week um, to sort of recap the Paco de Ferreira game, recap the Wolves game. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there'll be some resolution in the Harry Kane saga one way or the other. And I'm also calling it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get another player in the door this week as well. Yep. I think you are right. I think we're going to have a random exciting uh, signing in the middle of this week that it's going to be like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Uh, Paratici is the Dom. That's uh, that's a great move. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for talking to me, Dan. Oh, it's It's been a pleasure, Barney. Um, you know, we're still doing this uh, remotely because we are in Melbourne and we are in lockdown. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, we'll uh, we'll keep going remotely until we can do it back again in person and get our yep. little snack table happening. Um, oh. But it's always a pleasure to uh, to jump on and talk about Spurs, um, and yeah, and and just feel so good about how everything is going. Yep, it was wow, what a blissful time. Um, cool. Well, uh, wherever you're listening, hope you're having equally a blissful time, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.